Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear there, all black and brown and covered in hair. I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. I'm joined this uh, evening, day, whatever time it may be for you, with uh, YD. Hi, this is YD. You can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. Comma Splice. Hi, this is Comma, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And a special unicorn of the JB fandom, uh, our special guest is Wonkins. Hi, I'm Wonkins, and I, you can find me uh, at Wonkins at Tumblr. It's a dude. I don't know. <laughs> it's a dude. It's a dude. <laughs> okay. I suddenly got really nervous when I started talking. Cause that happens. That line. happens to, yeah, that happens to the best of us. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, if you recall, a lot for the first, I don't know, 10, 20 episodes. Hey. got her Tumblr name. Oh, we don't need to go there. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Tonight, uh, today, I keep saying that. Anyway, we're covering Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 1. Um, as always, we give our blanket uh, trigger warnings for rape discussion, as well as spoilers. Books, show, it's all going to get spoiled here. Um, before we get into the meat of the episode, there's a couple things I want to announce. We hit 50,000 listeners, like, last crazy. last night. That is crazy. So crazy. Yay! Crazy. Yay! I mean, we Sweet. only thought we'd only get about 12 listens when we started this. <laughs> yeah, and we've gotten all kinds of love on Tumblr because YD made this really nice graphic to kind of celebrate it. So thank you, everybody, for, you know, sending us nice words yeah. and thank giving us a so shout out. Well. Yes, thank you. And, Huzzah! Uh, <laughs> nice. And uh, also, I think we did mention it the last episode, but it is uh, one year now, after uh, tomorrow, correct? The 15th? Uh, yes. Well, one I mean, year. I'm already in the 15th. Sorry. I'm in the future though. But yes. So yeah, we've been podcasting for one year uh, on the 15th of April. Yeah. It's our anniversary. Yay. What was it? Where's my diamond? <laughs> Where's my diamond? <laughs> the first year's paper. Oh. We actually give sapphires on this podcast. Ooh, that's better. I'll take it. Whatever. Okay, um, so before we get into the discussion of this episode, um, we are deviating quite a bit, of course, this season from, well, it's gone beyond the source material. So I just kind of want to get everybody's feelings on that and, you know, how they feel about the direction with the show and the storylines they're going with. Just a general, you don't have to, like, go into detail or anything. Start with, uh, maybe Whitey. I thought we were starting with Wonkins. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor Wonkins. Um, look, we all know that I've, I have issues with the show. I had particular issues with season four, uh, specifically with Jamie's characterization and, and some of the other stuff that happened, obviously. Uh, I was actually surprised by how much I liked this episode, this first episode of season five. Uh, I had, 
I sort of tend to agree with the generally positive reviews of the show, of the season, I guess, that I've seen in the media. Um, they're sort of saying the show's feeling a lot fresher and, and the adaptation is mostly working better than it did last season. So at this stage, I'm kind of adopting a wait-and-see attitude. It's probably mm, a healthy attitude to have, I think. Mm, yeah. Right. How about you, Eon? You know, at first I was a little bit, I was a little bit pissed. I, I don't like some of the, the, the characters they've omitted from the show, but, um, right now I'm actually, I'm actually a little excited. Some of the deviations are actually, they're working for TV right now, and I'm just, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm actually really excited for new content right now, and this, this first episode, I was really happy with it. Cool. So, we'll just wait and see. Okay, but you, Kama. I was really, I've been kind of struggling, um, especially as we've been doing the rewatch, and I've just been loathing the show more and more, so I was <laughs> sort of like, I didn't quite know how I was going to come to terms with that. And I was really pleasantly surprised by the premiere. Um, I, I am trying to divorce it from the books as much as possible. I do think it is very much fan fiction, but it seems to be like they sat down and thought out a few things and did a little bit of a course correction. Mm-hmm. So I am uh, also cautiously optimistic. There was some stuff I really thought they did really well, and then there were the usual, I don't know what they were thinking, but okay, let's go with it. So that's how I'm going to try to approach it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. What about you, Lonkins? Any thoughts? Well, the show's entertainment, and at the end of the day, I'm going to be entertained by it. Uh, and the the books will still exist even if the show ends up screwing it up, but I doubt they'll totally screw up everything. I think it's going to be really good, and I think I'm going to like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was surprisingly positive from everyone. <clears throat> it is. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Go off. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you haven't heard from Lot yet. Oh, I was going to say, you know what I do like is I kind of like the the way that I'm being surprised now without the outrage because we don't really know <laughs> if this is what, how it's supposed to go anyway. I mean, that's right, exactly. It's not going to lie. <laughs> there's less outrage for me yeah, maybe you're full outrage I don't know <laughs> um, but I will tell you this I have, I still hate the fact that Jamie's going to Dorne I will always hate that I've hated it from the beginning but that's just me so. I still remember your initial reaction to hearing that news and it was just he's going the wrong way fuck face <laughs> <laughs> you're going the wrong way fuck face never leave out the fuck face yeah. sorry that's sorry. really a if, if they have free reign to just keep going don't you think he could go to the Riverlands after coming back from Dorne like <laughs> I mean maybe it's a roundabout way happen. of doing things no, I suppose it could happen or he could end up in Bravos. who the hell knows I don't think we're seeing the Riverlands. I think, if anything, he'll be going north. But as long as he reunites, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We better get that unification. Okay. Uh, we uh, Let's go into the episode now. Uh, we begin with the young Cersei and her friend walking to meet Maggie the Frog. The girl, unnamed here, um, we know her as Malara in the books, is afraid of upsetting Tywin. She doesn't want to go into the hut. Once inside, Cersei is disappointed, calls the witch boring, demands to know her future, or she'll have her two boring eyes gouged out. Cersei cuts her thumb, uh, Maggie sucks on it, and then gives her three questions. Cersei asks, one, when will I, 
marry the prince. And uh, she says, you're not going to marry the prince. You're going to marry the king. Um, two, will she be queen? And she says, for a time until a more beautiful younger one casts her down. And how many children will she have? The king will have 20, three for her, gold their crowns, and gold their shrouds. Um, I've been seeing kind of like... What's that? Go ahead. No, 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 you go. I like how you made sure to say that um, a beautiful younger one instead of a beautiful and younger queen. Did I I leave out queen? Which is reflective (laughs) of how it's said in the books. Well, I was going to say, a lot of people seem to be a little upset with the omission of the Valonqar stuff with this. Do you guys care? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think we've seen the end of this flashback. Exactly. I've seen that. I've seen that. Later. Mm, yeah. The whole thing that is there in the first place, the hands going into the woods. I think we're going to get another. This is going to continue. Yeah, people have pointed out. So I'm not out, sure it's gone. People have pointed out that they didn't show Cersei leaving the tent, so that might not have been the end of it. Personally, right. I lean towards us not seeing any more of the prophecy, but. I don't know. It is an interesting omission in terms of the Volonkar and, and what else did they leave out? They didn't talk about, uh, yeah, the younger, the younger, oh, what was it? I don't even remember. But they, and obviously they've also omitted the fact that, uh, what happens after, uh, in terms of, uh, Cersei essentially pushing her friend down a well to her mm-hmm. death. Right. That little thing. They also I- forgot their own continuity change. I love this. Oh, with I didn't how many kids? Until I saw it on Tumblr. Yeah. What was the... It big deal about her having a kid with Robert, this mm-hmm. black-haired baby. Mm-hmm. And then they forgot to write it in. <laughs> yeah, they oh, said well, that, yeah. they, they stuck with the book. They stuck with the book phrasing, which was... Ro- oh, what? Well, they said Robert would have 20, whereas in the book I think it's 16. And then that Cersei would have three children, so... Well, not many casual show watchers are going to remember that one speech that she gave yeah, to Cat. So it, it seems kind of yeah. understandable that they would only say three. Otherwise, the watchers would be questioning, well, where's the fourth child? I don't understand. That's true. I mean, Cersei did have that conversation with Robert also about their child that they lost. But I think it's probably true. Yeah. I don't think the casual viewer would remember. It may just be confusing for them. But you know what also is interesting about this scene? Maggie the Frog is, frog is hot now. Yeah, she's hot. I was just going to say that. She's like... She's like a Pirates of the Caribbean reject to me. Kind of. I mean, if go back to yeah. before, listen to the book. If that's your thing. Listen to the book description okay. of her. The old woman's eyes were yellow and crusted all about with something vile. Age and evil had left their marks on her. She was short, squat, and warty with pebbly greenish jowls. Her teeth were gone and her dugs hung down to her knees. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm really looking forward to seeing pretty Maris later this season. I know, right? <laughs> But the I casting for Baby Xerxes, oh, Zer- the casting for Baby Xerxes though was totally Spot on. perfect. Oh, she was good. Great. Yeah, I thought she was um, just the right mix of arrogant and entitled. She really was a perfect young Cersei, and I actually really loved that the show opened with this. I love yeah. how. The scene was shot, especially in the beginning when the girls are making their way through that swampy forest and it's all dark and misty. It was sort of like something out of Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. It really set yes. the tone for the scene. I didn't, I liked, I loved the casting of that, of Baby Cersei. It was amazing. Um, I really did not care for, um, I just, in my notes, I have tits a lot hot goth witch. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it, it was like. Okay, quick. There's a chance. Tits. Okay. There's no excuse for her to rip off her shirt, but you know what? We'll just, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think the scene would have worked a lot better with like a um, standard, um, ugly, old, mm-hmm. rich, well, like a stereotypical. Because that's kind of what the trope is. Right. It would have been scary. It was just an old lady or something or somebody yeah. who looked kind of um, stern and harsh as opposed to someone who's done a lot of heroin. Right. Yeah. They could have totally like recast <laughs> the lady that played Mary Master to play Maggie. Mm. Yeah, somebody I like, think, I think with more character, I don't know, the, the, the eyeliner was a little distracting. But I really liked the scene overall. I do too. I really liked it. Speaking okay. of Miriam Mazder, I had a question for the group. Um, I've heard a lot of non-book readers ask what religion Maggie is connected to, because they connect it to blood magic, like Miriam Mazder or Melisandre. So what what religion do you think Maggie the Frog is connected to? I think to? it's definitely got leanings towards that. I mean, she literally used mm-hmm. blood to do her magic, so yeah, she uses that's the easy magic. answer. Didn't she also um, study with one of the priestess from Ashai also, so... Because she's from Spicer. I mean, yes, she's she from is. overseas. From mm-hmm. overseas, she's from Essos. So I'm assuming she's not like worshiping the seven. I would no. whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. No. <laughs> well, the uh, rumors that the kids in the scene mention is that she has cat-like features and three eyes, which leads me to yeah. suspect that it's related to the children of the forest. Yeah, I've seen that as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's not a bad theory. That's true too. Hmm. Interesting points to ponder. Uh, yeah, just to just to build on that, I also did uh, see someone mentioning about how. I mean, if you think about Brad, is also given us uh, some blood to eat uh, before he starts <laughs> having his visions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, that's certainly something. So saying, you might be onto something. Was there. it confirmed that that was actually blood? Or well, was it, it was never confirmed. Blood. But I mean, when when I was reading the scene, he's sort of like, what was it? It was a bowl of. Some paste that has where would, red where it's paste. Yeah, that red has veins. red veins running through it. Yeah. So it certainly sounds like he's been fed blood. Yum. Trojan's blood. No. Anyway, mm, carry on. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to um Cersei's scene. So we see Cersei in her Wait, litter. Can, she, I, can I back up? Sure. I had one more question about the flashback scene. because um, they mentioned that uh, all of Cer- all of Cersei's children will die with golden shrouds. Mm-hmm. And we've had one die so far. How do you think the other two are going to die? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty uh, pretty tough. Are we talking you. book or show? Mal- uh, let's show. say Marcella's going to die show. of a ear infection. Tormund <laughs> 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 is going to die when Nymeria comes across King's Landing and poisons her pounces claws. Cat's going to be King. Can you tell so how we do these for hobbies? <laughs> Tom and never gonna die. Damn it! I think Tom a kitten. Seven. God damn it! Seven. Nah, nah. A kitten Sorry. is gonna smother him That's in his so sleep. <laughs> Ma's just gonna smother him in his sleep with her boobs. <laughs> what a way to go! <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're gonna go to Cersei now. She's in her litter. Um, she emerges dressed in black. She climbs the stairs to the Great Sept with Trant. Um, bells are tolling. For Tywin, and there's a great number of lords and ladies awaiting outside. Cersei doesn't care. She tells the High Septon they can wait more. <clears throat> when she goes inside, uh, Jamie is standing over the googly-eyed corpse of Tywin. <laughs> Cersei and Jamie talk of their enemies. Cersei blames Tyrion. She blames Jamie for letting him go. And she says, look at the consequences. He loved you more than anyone in this world. She gives Tywin a kiss on the forehead, then leaves Jamie. 
I need to ask you guys, are we sure there hasn't been some sort of Jamie Cersei body swap? Because I can think of no other excuse for the characterization in this scene. We've got a Jamie who is focused on maintaining the Lannister legacy, the very legacy he refused just last season when Tywin gave him oath <laughs> And he's seemingly very concerned about their enemies plotting against them. And then we have a Cersei who doesn't seem to care about any of that, and she's she only wants to mourn Daddy yeah. and talk about how much she loved them. Yeah, paranoia is her job. Jamie on a guilt trip. What the hell? I, I think it, it kind of fits how in the books Jamie is trying to give her good advice, but Cersei's just having none of it. Oh wow! But in the books, she actually says to him, "You know, it's it's up to us to finish finish Dad's work. You need to take his place as hand." And and Jamie totally rejects her. So to me, it was a total role reversal. But she's okay. she's saying that not as a um, not because she thinks Jamie would be a good hand, but but because she has she's you know. Um, she has a bias towards Jamie. She she's putting the people that she likes on the small council and sycophants and stuff, and not 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 because they will rule well, but Jamie's trying to get her to rule well. Um, yeah, and, and, for, and yeah. What I'm saying is, Cersei is the one in the books who's focused on the legacy and talking about their enemies, and Jamie is doesn't care about that kind of stuff at all. Whereas it seems to be the opposite in this scene. Okay, uh, in my new like. Trying to be positive about the show. <laughs> this is how I grudgingly positive. It, okay. She comment sounds thrilled about this. Really delusional, Cersei here, because everything she's saying is is crap. Because she's the one for you know she twits him about being a king's guard when Tywin didn't want that for him, but we all know that was her. And then she talks about how Tywin loved him more than anyone else. That's bullshit. If Tywin loved anybody, it was his dead wife. So. I'm just going with this is crazy, Cersei. This is a sign right here that she's going a little bit off the reservation, cray cray. That's <laughs> yeah, really I'm trying to put a big major guilt trip on Jamie right absolutely. here. Yeah, that's absolutely. I think she's just playing him. But I do think that yeah. I think it's it's kind of valid to say not maybe not from Cersei's point of view, but to say that Tywin loved Jamie out of the three kids the most because I mean he, But she I doesn't mean, say that. She says he loved him more than anyone else in the world. Well mm-hmm. Joanna's dead. Well, so dead. That could be Sorry, true. That's, yeah. <laughs> but eh, I don't think that's I think Tywin saw his children as sort of players and he had favorites, but anyhow, that's how I'm interpreting that. Mm-hmm. So Hey, if we can back up just a little bit, I wondered if anybody caught this because I found a little subtle hint of foreshadowing right whenever Xerxes steps out of the litter and she's right in front of the Sept of Baylor about to climb the stairs. Mm-hmm. A sparrow flew across the screen. Yeah, Ooh. I didn't only, I didn't catch it on screen, but I did see someone mention it on the message boards. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Nice job. If on purpose. Did they actually identify the bird as a sparrow, or um, is it just like a bird and then they attribute it to be a sparrow? Because that's the interpretation. Mm, it was a falcon. I'm going to go with it's <laughs> intentional, because these types of things are so controlled. When they film that kind of stuff, if they'd be like, crap, there's a bird there that's, you know, they could probably... <laughs> Continuity well, it and all like that. like a pigeon, yeah. so... <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next scene. We're really stretching this one out at this point. Okay, so the next scene, we see a city uh, through a peephole, 
and the crate is open, and out pops Tyrion. Uh, Varys stands over him. Tyrion ups- is upset about having to stay in the crate the whole way. Um, there's this great exchange about having to stuff his shit through little holes and, you know, Varys throwing them overboard. <laughs> Tyrion figures out he's in Pentos. Varys tells him it's Illyrio's house. Tyrion helps himself to some wine. Varys tries to get Tyrion to think about the future of Westeros. Tyrion replies, the future and the past is shit. Then vomits all over Illyrio's carpet. And he helps himself to more wine. How the hell has Tyrion managed to grow a full beard in less than seven days? Like, if you go back and look at the end of season four, he barely had stubble when he killed Tarwin. So, are they on the same timeline as what's going on in King's Land? And I was, like, trying to figure this out, because there's the funeral scene, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, they've jumped ahead. But then, like, they have that sort of, I'm guessing, it's kind of like a reception after the funeral later on in the episode, so it really seems, I don't get the beard, the Grizzly Adams look at all. Well, it's like a, this whoever is doing the costuming and hair, they're their choice, they gotta make them look pretty rugged and rough, right? So... Maybe they didn't think After it all the way a through. Days, yeah. He yeah. grows that much hair on his face. Okay. <laughs> okay. What I like about this scene is that I like two things. I like the fact that, uh, it's, it's Varys and Tyrion together. And obviously I know this is a departure from the books, but I am, I'm totally okay with that. The second thing I like is, and again, it's very reflective of the books, is the way they're portraying Tyrion. Pretty much try to drink himself to death. He's kind of in the, in the grips of despair and, He's contemplating suicide, and Tyrion's kind of like the Don Draper of Westeros. (laughs) (laughs) So is. Oh, God. I thought you'd like that. Now, Don would be immediately trying to find someone to fuck. (laughs) Well, Tyrion shortly probably will do that. Yeah, he probably will. And he does in the books. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Marine. Um... In Marine. I have have some notes on uh, the Tyrion Creed scene. (laughs) Go for it. So, um, who else do you think is in Varys' uh, conspiracy group with Illyrio? Because he says, uh, like, multiple people, not just he and Illyrio. Oh, God. I mean, it, it's it's difficult to tell on the show because I right. am assuming that we're not going to be getting Griff and young Griff uh, and, you know, the, the Golden Company. So, yeah, God knows. I mean, perhaps he was talking about Maybe. the series and the Dolgarians. I don't know. It could be Uncle Benjamin for all we know. I mean, you were. That'd be awesome. Chicky would be so happy. Hmm. <laughs> Could be the Dorn. I also, I also think it's interesting that Tyrion calls Shay a whore, which is what he shot Tywin for. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not dissimilar to what happens in the books. He has similar line of thinking, I guess, about Shay. But then again, in the show, it's uh, it's about Tysha. So. Yeah, it's, yeah. Hard to, it's sometimes hard to reconcile these things. I just, I'm trying to give it a pass this season. <laughs> Passing so hard right now. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so we're going to Marine. They're doing some redecorating. Um, the giant harpy <laughs> is being pulled off the pyramid, which I think was a really cool scene. When I saw this I in the trailer, it. I, I was stoked. Also. Yeah, same. Some great CGI. Anyway, um, the unsullied... They made a slide for it. <laughs> yeah, a bamboo slide that's inventive. <laughs> uh, the unsullied, uh, there is an unsullied soldier. Um, he takes a break after work to go visit a whore. Um, he just wants to be held and the, the horse holding and humming the lullaby and then a masked harpy cuts his throat. 
Um, when Daenerys is informed about this death, she is not happy. And she asks that Grey Worm give him an honorable public burial in the Temple of the Graces. She wants the men who did this found. And uh, after this exchange, we get a little short scene with Miss Sandy. Um, she speaks with Grey Worm and wants to know why an Unsullied would visit a brothel. Grey Worm says he does not know. And I don't know. Mm, I think. I mean, I think that was in there to sort of indicate that Miss Sandy's curious about uh, just how much sort of sexual activity the Unsullied are, are interested in engaging in. She's <laughs> probably hoping for some action with the worm, you guys. Right? <laughs> action with the worm, or lack thereof. I thought they were just trying to lampshade it. Maybe. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't think that was particularly necessary. But you know what I love is backtracking slightly to the brothel scene, is that in a brothel scene where a whore doesn't have to get naked, the whore has to get naked. <laughs> Do you know what show you're on? She conveniently forgot that the unsullied, who's clearly visited her before, <laughs> is not there for sex. I mean, she even says to him about two seconds before disrobing, you're here for the usual, and then she drops her robe and she's like, oops, I forgot. Force the habit. <laughs> when you guys saw White Rat, did you think he was recast as Grey Worm? No. No. You know, yeah. Mr. Eon did. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Eon did. Why? And also, why couldn't he have just been Stalwart Shield? Like, can't they even keep in trivial yeah. name details? What <laughs> that? Stalwart <laughs> Shield is such a great name, too. It's a great name. Oh, oh. Maybe they're saving it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to be positive. I was like, it's taking yeah, me well, aback. No, I'm not you, used to this. I can be positive. At least we didn't have to see the harpy son shove the genitals of a goat down down the unsullied's throat like they did in the book. But that is a positive note. That I'll is agree. A positive. <laughs> okay, uh, are we are we done so, with Danny's uh, stuff? Or I have a, a note. Um, right. Grey Worm's reaction to Miss Sandy seems kind of cold. Do you think the relationship is kind of going to end here? Hmm. Is that the I end? Was kind of- puzzled with that whole thing. I I really didn't understand what that was about. So, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I I felt like they were just trying to remind the audience that there's a little something going on here. Maybe make us feel for this potential pairing. That's kind of what I felt its purpose was. Okay. Speaking of, like, Masande, did Danny give Masande her last season's wardrobe? Because now she's wearing white and my Sunday's wearing blue now. Yeah, and Danny also seems to be wearing her season one wig in the scene where oh, it's upcoming. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, it's bad. bad it's very bad. Okay. It's very, very evident that she's wig that takes her out of the scene. Yeah, there's... Uh, we have a lot of opinions about Danny's wigs. <laughs> it could almost be its own theme for the... Don't get us started. Yeah. You mentioned Danny's wearing white, and I... I read a theory about that, that um, she was wearing white in, like, the first episode, back when she was, like, weak and unconf- um, didn't have a lot of confidence, and then she wore blue when she was, like, kicking ass and had confidence. Now she's back in white, and you see her kind of um, uh, later in the episode being, um, like, with her dragons, she's she's all weak and stuff mm-hmm. and afraid. It's not a bad observation. I mean, she's certainly... Mm-hmm now at a point where I think things are very uncertain for her. So, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. Because she thinks she's not a conqueror, and it's like, no, honey, that's exactly what you are. 
Well, and she, I think yeah. she's not a politician. Well, she thinks she's not a conqueror. I can't believe, but I mean, she that sort of naivete, that mm. almost delusion. I think that's a good point with the costuming. Mm. I just wish they would give her another color instead of the Madonna blue yeah. and the white. I mean, well, that's what it's all about, right? She's this liberator, this saint, this angelic figure. Is I think mm. what they're building up. What I don't understand though is like from a costuming standpoint why wouldn't she be dressing more like the rest of the people in marine doesn't that make more sense like she doesn't look like anybody well, she does do that in the books i mean she she yeah. tends to dress her boobs boobs around and she wears a <laughs> oh yeah she that? wears the sort of one <laughs> one bare breasted dress when she's in calf and then she's meeting with carthians and then she she wears the what is it called the toka whatever it is right so yeah you know, she's I- I read this essay because this would this was partly what annoyed the shit out of me in the last two books was the endless descriptions of fashion and I was just like I don't care George just keep going and then I read I think it was a blog post or an essay where somebody said starts to point out that there's really a lot of intention behind things like the tokar which is extremely complicated garment to wear you have to be super careful because other like sort of strangles you or you it falls apart and how in marine she's always trying to to navigate this kind of garment and it's only at the end when she sort of just says okay that's it i'm done and moves on to wearing i forget what she wears but a different thing so i mean i i really didn't need to see the one-breasted dress so i'm kind of glad they didn't go with that but I would like to see a little bit more. Like, she does look very different from everybody else. Yeah. yeah. A little acclamation mm-hmm. would be nice. Okay, um, let's go to the wall. Uh, John, yeah. is, <clears throat> John is training our own little potato boy. And man, the little <laughs> spud has grown up. The kid's gotten big. <laughs> Sam and Gilly and watch. Ghost. Yay! I totally didn't even see ghosts ghost in the scene. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, uh, Sam and Gilly are watching. She asks him, should you be training too? Sam brags a little about killing a White Walker in a then. Alistair and Jonas Slint look pretty chummy. Gilly thinks Alistair hates her. She tells Sam not to let them send her and the other wildlings away. <clears throat> and then we get Melisandra. She interrupts John and Potato Boy and they go for a very uncomfortable ed- elevator ride up to the top of the wall. <laughs> um, so a little bit of touching, a little bit of inappropriate questions on Melisandra's part. Well, I understand. Asks- Being in elevators makes me aroused too. <laughs> Did you like make people touch your cheek? Aren't I warm? <laughs> how, how much does John suck at flirting though? Like, you know, Mel's asking him, are you a virgin? And then there's this long pause in which John looks like he's about to burst into tears. And then he's well, like, no. See, that would be me. I can't flirt either. <laughs> the elevator with this crazy witch woman who's like older, like, so he's with the cougar who's asking him, like, I mean, inappropriate touching and then the whole are you a virgin i mean if that was a if those genders were reversed we would be all ew creepy it is yeah. still creepy it's well, kind of I, I think that i mean being more serious i think that he, that sort of sad look that he gets on his face is it's him reflecting on egress and you know the fact i that loved that, it that I, awesome. did, I don't care i i wrote hot creepy but hot <laughs> of course I, you would i now ship them <laughs> okay well uh, you've got a little more recapping to go Oh, I was going to, well, the next bit, um, we get to the top of the wall and it's John. Um, he kneels to Stannis. We learn that, um, Bolton is now at Winterfell 
and Stannis asks John if he wants vengeance. John brushes the question away a little bit and says he's Night Watch. Davos has been checking upon up on John. He's learns he's you know half popular with the group, <laughs> and he had a wildling girlfriend. Stannis wants more men to take Winterfell. He wants wildling soldiers. If they kneel and fight, he'll give them land. Davos says it's more than fair. John doesn't think it's likely Mance will kneel, and uh, Stannis says, "Well, basically, if he doesn't kneel, he's gonna burn." Yeah, that's an odd departure from the books because. Mans isn't execu- executed for failing to bend the knee in the books. He's actually executed for desertion, and that's something that Stannis won't bend on. So it was interesting to see him here in the show saying, hey, if he bends a knee, then we'll just let him live. Hmm. I was I was taken out of the scene by the incredibly horrible um, CGI, and if that was real, it looked super fake. Um, the CGI on the wall? When they're atop the wall and looking out over, it just looked very, like, jarringly Studio. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, Do you think I that to... they're looking out over the north or the beyond I the wall? Assume, I think they were looking out beyond the wall, I assumed. But whatever they were looking at, it was like, oh, this is not well done. Because it'd be um, interesting if he was looking out over the north, because that's, um, like, he's eyeing where he's going to head next. It's kind of like a, um. Except sign. it was just so arctic looking that I assumed yeah. it was. I think because he was talking about the wild things, he was probably looking beyond the wall. Okay. I did, I have to say, I've never really thought all that much about Kit Harrington, um, as an actor, but he did quite well. I thought, um, I think it's sort of the, uh, Amelia Clark thing where like, if you're with really good people, you know, some actors just rise to the challenge, and he's he's playing off of um, Stephen Delane and Liam Cunningham and Carice Van Houten, and he's just sort of he brought his A game to the scene, which was nice to see. I think that's true. Um, I think he did a a really good job in this in this episode, actually, and I think you're right. I think it's partially, at least, a function of who he's playing off because he also did, I think, a really fantastic job in his scenes with, with Kieran Hines as well later when John is talking to Mance. Mm-hmm. Also, on a very yeah, shallow okay. note, John and Stannis are hot. Oh God! <laughs> together. How how did you find the lighting in this episode, Tom? <laughs> I could see who everyone was. It was awesome. <laughs> nice and bright white on top of that wall. So she did, she wasn't right up against. It does not room. take much. A well lit scene, and I'm there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Dragonstone was always really dark. What was that? that John's hair. He was on his A game with his hair this time too. <laughs> So acting in hair, check, check, good. What would you say, Wonkins? I missed it. Uh, I have to say that Mel's dress uh, is feels too muted by the blue tones of the wall. I think it would look really cool if she was just like this bright red thing sticking out of yeah. everything else in the um, blue yeah. wall scenes. Yeah, I've seen that Kinda, criticism. Like, list a little bit. Yeah, I've seen that criticism. Like her hair, hair looks darker. darker too. Yeah. 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 Let's get some fire going. Okay. Um... In the veil, Sorry, it's coming. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> in the veil, we uh, see a dark-haired Sansa, Littlefinger, and Lord Royce observing a less than impressive sword um, swordsman in Little Robin Aaron. Littlefinger defends Robin, and you know he says he has other gifts, and it's one of them being the gift of a great name. Um, they leave Robin with Royce. Sansa thanks him for all that he's done, that being uh, Sir Royce. 
And um, I'm so convinced that this kid is Littlefinger, so there's, like, nothing to convince me otherwise at this point. <laughs> oh, I agree. I absolutely agree with yeah. you. I have no doubt. Yeah. So it's a, it's a okay short scene. With this, but... this deviation in a big way. He's not being drugged to death. <laughs> not that we know of. <laughs> yes. Well, that could happen. They could come back and he'll be toast. But I, I was all right with that. And I kind of love the fact that, you know what, just a few weeks ago, the kid was breastfeeding at his mother's tit, and now he's out there having to go it alone and fight. <laughs> it's going to be a tough adolescence. <laughs> I did love the swings like a like a girl with palsy line, though, from Roy's show. Oh, God. I, I like that, too, but I was afraid to say that I liked it. <laughs> you what? No, no, no. Wonkins, it's okay if Eon says that, but you can't say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am offended. I'm not offended. <laughs> Any thoughts, final thoughts, before we go on to the next scene? I, I, yeah, uh, go ahead. I have one. I just, I, poor Sansa, not only is she stuck there with little fingers, she's got to wear the same damn material on her dress or her cloak that he has. It's just, like, very creepy. <laughs> the father-daughter cloaks. You didn't yeah. find that weird? <laughs> I didn't really bother me. Well, they're both pretty- they're both wearing black because they're mourning, um, or at least publicly mourning, uh, the death of Lysa, right? Right. But it's the same material. It's like, if you look at some of the stills, it's like, it's honestly like father-daughter cloaks. It's just a little too ew. Mm. Well, they are trying to go with that, too, so. Yeah, that doesn't bother me too much. What were you going to add, Aunt Watkins? Yeah, it's actually just that. Like, um, when we saw Dark Sansa... As, as she gets called from episode 10 last season, um, people think that she's like becoming dark, but she was wearing black because she was in mourning, so it's not like a, it's not necessarily a direct personality reflection, but it can be, um, you, you know what I'm saying? No, it's a good point. Yeah. I, I hear you. I think it's a good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go on to the next scene, which is my personal favorite. <laughs> Brienne and Podrick. Um, she's looking glum. She's sharpening Oathkeeper. Pod wants to know if they are going to Castle Black. Brienne doesn't want Pod to go with her anywhere. She's not a knight and he's not a squire. Um, Brie pouts a bit uh, about Arya not wanting her protection and then Pod says Sansa might. Brienne doesn't want to be a leader. Um, she has this line where she says, all good lords are dead and the rest are monsters. Um, at this moment, a line of horses and a carriage pass them and inside are Sansa and Littlefinger. But before I go on to that exchange, I'll stop here. Um, I've been seeing like a lot of criticism mm-hmm. <laughs> on the tumblers that Brienne was too mean to pod. Yeah, look, I've seen, I've seen similar criticism. I actually just a couple of hours ago addressed some of that criticism on my own <laughs> Tumblr. Uh, I can understand why Brienne might be snappy in this scenario and I was okay with that snarkiness towards Pod last season because, you know, she barely knew him and we all know Brienne uses prickliness as a defense mechanism. And I also realize that the show is presenting a Brienne who is older and I guess in a way harder. Um, as well as an older pod. So I can see how that sort of prickliness from the books could be exaggerated um, in this with this sort of change dynamic. But that said, I think the hostility that she shows pod in the show is getting really old now. I'm getting tired of it, and I am very ready for a change. 
Yeah. Well, well it feels like know, by the end of the scene, they've come to a change, and she probably won't be treating Pod that way for, in the future. Yes, that's hard. Right. Yeah. Well, and you have to take into consideration, she's had a bad couple weeks. She let Arya slip through her fingers in last season, and she's still having to put up with Podrick right now, and she's just in a bad mood. She's frustrated. And I need to correct you, Lot, on one thing. She wasn't sharpening her sword because that's Valerian still, and it doesn't need to be sharpened. She just had a cloth. She was just cleaning Jamie's penis, I mean sword. <laughs> I was going to say, you're right, she wasn't sharpening it. She was definitely polishing that sword. And did you see how yes. slowly and carefully she was doing it? Oh, yes. my God. Yes. <laughs> I, I've got to say that's a good point, and I do agree with you, and that's another thing that I think, and that is Brienne's had a really shitty time over the last few weeks, and she's clear. I mean, just look at her. She's clearly feeling very despondent, so I can I can understand seeing her lashing out a little bit. Um, it's not to me, uh, it, you know, it doesn't not align with the Brienne I know in the books when you consider her in the context of being an older, sort of less naive Brienne. Yeah, it's been a bad week, okay? <laughs> a bad, bad week. I mean, you know, she she's ever break. Everything's gone wrong for her. Like, you know, over the last year or whatever, you know, she's failed Jamie, she's failed Catelyn, she's failed Renly and her idealism and her, her belief in honour is being tested and yeah, I mean I can I can forgive it, I can forgive the snappiness, but yes, it needs to end soon. You know what I think too is I think if they start them at this place then it, it allows room for growth. So you will see like an evolution between her being maybe a bit closer and more protective of Pod and wanting him around. Yeah, I think yeah. if she becomes more comfortable with his with his presence that will happen. Yeah. It's not entirely coming out of nowhere because he's a frustrating squire, like he doesn't know how to ride a horse, and he let Arya go because he, was, he wasn't watching her, he was watching Brienne, and he let the horses go because he couldn't tie a knot correctly. And and she's just coming out of a pretty vicious fight, so she's kind of um, beaten up, and being in a lot of pain can make you pretty grumpy, so it's totally understandable, yeah. at least from my perspective, that she you know, snaps they, up. They've been sleeping on the ground, I mean, she's just having a bad week, you know? Yeah. No privacy, no holiday yeah. in. <laughs> The, the last note, the last note I had about this brand scene is that um, when the point of perspective of the camera is looking up at her, the sky is like digitally darkened around her, which gives her a bit of a halo around her head, which I think is a cool effect. Ooh, Ooh I didn't know that. Really cool, yeah. My angel. All I right. do have to admit that Gwendolyn Christie's acting is totally improving from like oh my gosh like she's so the good. second season she's doing such oh, a yeah. great job yeah it's interesting actually to see that because we would we just finished recapping season two to see that jump from season two to season five it is actually quite startling and yes she's doing a fantastic job oh gwen oh, oh oh she says um all the good lords are dead and the rest are monsters which category would she put jamie in a god <laughs> God right now. Well, is Jamie even a lord? Because he's a king's guard, right? I guess he's. Oh, no, that's right. I mean, he's not Lord of Castle Rock. Yeah. That's true. I'm not sure how that works. Half God. <laughs> I Just a half God. <laughs> All right, let's go to the little finger in Sansa. It's a small exchange. Um, <clears throat> she tells him that she knows they aren't heading into the direction of the fingers, and Littlefinger tells Sansa he's taking her to a land where Cersei Lannister can't get her hands on her. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm actually <laughs> really digging this dynamic between Sansa and Littlefinger. I mean, I still am not a Littlefinger fan, and oh. I never will be. 
but creepy, I'm, creepy. I'm really but. liking seeing this more savvy, snarky Sansa mm-hmm. and the fact that she's managing yeah. to hold her own with Littlefinger. And that's, it's really quite reflective of how she appears in that latest Winds excerpt that we just got. Yeah. Um, that said, Aiden Gillen, his accent, I know we talk about this all the time, but my God, it was all over <laughs> In this episode, it was like a, like an Irish pirate hybrid. I don't even know what was going on. That's what we've come to expect. Screaming at him and go, pick something. <laughs> Do you know what just said? Did you yes. Go ahead. He was good on the wire. He was really good on the wire. Hey, what? Can you listen to this podcast before? What's the You can tell. You can tell. All right. Did Did we mention that, um, Sansa and, and Baelish are right next to Bran and Pod. Like that's oh, the, God. another me and Miss, another comedy. Yeah, community. I did say that uh, line of carriage or line of horses and carriage are going mm-hmm. right by them. Kama, were you going to add something? I say trying to jump in a couple <coughs> times. I just want the man to pick an accent. I don't care what accent he picks, just pick one. <laughs> just want to be creepy yeah. pirate? Be creepy pirate all the time. You want to be poor man's first tale? Do that all the time. You want to be Irish? I don't care. But it's just every line is different. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. If I, I, I can't try to make for it, I would I would no. make up. The, I would guess that he's trying to fit into several different kingdoms because, like, usually it, it seems like you can tell who's from the north by by their accent, and then who's from Dorne by their accent, at least in the books. And uh, I, so maybe trying to master several different accents, and that's I why they keep with that. Them. Except it changes line to line. <laughs> He's not very good at it in any event. <laughs> Classic BBC English with the King's Landing people and a little more folksy with the area. I could go with that, but it just line to line it changes. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah. we've we've trashed Littlefinger's uh, accent enough. Let's go to King's Landing. Um, we have Loris, and he's offering his sympathies to a very annoyed Cersei. Uh, her facial expressions here are amazing. <laughs> Pycelle also gets no respect, as per usual, when he tries to interact with her. And then, my oh my, we get a barefooted and shaved Lancel. Um, Do you need um, a moment to collect yourself up? <laughs> Lancel's back, guys. But he's not fun anymore. <laughs> He's so sober, not fun. Uh, Uncle Kevin apologizes for his son's appearance. Lancel has joined the religious devotees, the sparrows. Um, Cersei grabs a glass of wine and finds a quiet place. Lancel, um, <clears throat> he, he basically, you know, interrupts her and he, uh, says he's repentant <laughs> for tempting her. <laughs> and then he, um, is also, um, <laughs> repentant for, you know, his part in Robert's death. And Cersei just replies, I don't know what you're talking about. And Lancel says, he will pray for Tywin's soul. Now, I don't know what he's talking about, Lot. He was pretty funny to me. Eugene Simon looks so different. It's he so funny that he's filled out. Yeah, it's funny that he's bulked up considering how kind of emaciated he's meant to be in the books at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, at least we know where Lancel's been for the past two seasons. At the gym, apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got to remember... Does apparently work out. He's yeah. 20 years old right now. And how old was he when he played in the first season? Would have been I mean, 17, 18. I mean, there's a difference between a teenage boy and a man. 
Yeah, I'm not saying yes, there that, is. You know, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that he, sh- you know, there's something weird about him bulking up. It's just, it's just funny to see it in the show, considering where yeah. the character of Lancel is in the books at this stage, yeah. kind of, you know, preparing to starve himself for the faith. <laughs> okay. But you know, suddenly I'm attracted to Lancel, and I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Okay, so um, the next scene we have okay. Loris. He's in bed with Oliver, and <clears throat> they're talking about, you know, leaving King's Landing, and uh, Marjorie pops in to pull Loris away for dinner with King Tolman. Oliver leaves. Marjorie tells Loris he may want to be a bit more discreet, and uh, he shouldn't keep his intendant waiting, meaning Cersei. Loris argues that Tywin is now dead, and there's no one to force Cersei to marry him. Uh, Marjorie will be trapped in King's Landing with her as a mother-in-law. And uh, Marjorie just answers, perhaps. Perhaps. Oh, guys, I don't know about you, but I was shocked to see that Loris is still gay. <laughs> Does he have any other character traits? Well, that's my issue. Like, I'm, I'm so tired of seeing him being solely characterized as the gay dude who has lots of gay sex. Like, he's not even Kingsguard in the show, right? So basically he's just... Stuffing around King's Landing, fucking random dudes for funsies. And it's, well, oh, it's just... And Oliver is so freaking boring. Yeah, look, it's it's such a far cry from the Loris of the books. It's really not something that, I, that I'm enjoying seeing. You know, the Loris of the books actually has a personality. He's, you know, he's kind of this arrogant, idealistic guy, and he's already this, meant to be this legendary fighter, and... You know, he's essentially this young Jamie. He, he, you know, the things he does, he does for love in a way. And this is the same guy who is seemingly so affected by Renly's death that he has no reservations about joining the King's Guard because, you know, he couldn't ever imagine wanting to be with someone intimately yeah. again. What happened to when the sun is set, no candle can replace it? It seems Aww. like several candles have been replaced. <laughs> <laughs> Marge is definitely checking out that candle. Oh my god, did you see that? <laughs> there was that long lingering look as Oliver walked past. She, yep, she definitely oh, wanted to Poor thing, she's about to marry a little boy. Like, yeah. yeah. I love well, that she just kind of married in. Your accountant. I like that she just walked in and kind of made herself at home. Yeah, she really owned that given. scene, didn't she? Oh, Nat Dormer did. owned it. Yeah. She owns everything. Yeah, she does. Even the one she's not in. <laughs> Is this the first part of the Grand Tyrell conspiracy where Marge is talking about perhaps Cersei may stay in King's Landing or not? Well, she's definitely scheming, so I guess we'll yeah, see how she's, that Yeah, she's got a plan, I think. Out. It's quite mm-hmm. clear. Yep. So we'll see how that unfolds. Okay, hopefully. Anyway, uh, Tyrion and Varys is our next scene. Tyrion wants to know why Varys risked it all for him, and the reply is, for the Seven Kingdoms. Tyrion says he's not the soldier for Varys. He's done with Westeros, and then Varys pep talks him a little bit, you know, saying, oh, you've got this great political mind, and you're also compassionate. Tyrion reminds him of Shay and Tywin's murders. And then Varys' reply was really funny and made me laugh. Never said you were perfect. Uh, Varys tells uh, Tyrion he can keep another um he can help another sit at the throne um stronger than Tommen, gentler than stannis but someone who will intimidate the high lords and be loved by millions and with a family name to boot okay i have things to say (laughs) i have titled this section in my notes varus's school of bullshit political science because this is all bullshit 
I'm sorry. First of all, he makes this line in there about how anyone can get born into power. Seriously? That makes absolutely no sense. You can achieve power, you can achieve wealth, but you can't be you can't arrange to be born into power. That is not how that works. Do you think that was a sly nod to book readers in relation to uh to Egon? Maybe, I don't know, but it just jarred. And then I hate this in the books, I hate this in the show. It's like, all right, if you are saying that the system is broken, that's fine. That's one thing. You want to get somebody in power who's going to be a good, compassionate leader, who's going to put an end to all the, who's going to bring stability and peace, fine. But putting someone into power, just replacing that person and keeping a hereditary monarchy in place, that is a short-term, stupid-ass solution. Because, okay, you've got this idea that Danny is going to be the savior. Well, that'll be fun. But let's say she is. Her kid could be a monster. The hereditary, that's the problem with a hereditary monarchy. So it's like either just go with some sort of republic or democracy or something, or just own it and say you want a target power. This kind of, oh, it just... I study political yeah, science. But, this drives okay. Look, well, maybe yeah, it, I think that Varys says what he needs to say to get people to do what he wants. We have no right. idea if he actually I believes think he what he's saying. That because of what he says to Kevin at the end of um, what Feast uh, for Crows or Dance with Dragons. Dance. That he said he's saying that to a guy who's gonna be toast. Who's pretty much dying. He's got this whole thing about how Aegon is, you know, been taught to be like one of the small folk and I mean he believes this shit because why would you say that to a dying man there's no reason there's no reason to be lying I think he does believe this shit I don't want to put my series on the throne Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, you, could you argue that he's just like a person of his, I know it's like not our time, but a time and an environment where that's just what the ruler was. It was a single monarchy, a king, and they couldn't even conceive of another alternative. But then again, they, he's lived through kings. He's seen what happens. You have somebody who's crazy, gets replaced. I mean, this is the the fundamental problem with the monarchy is you don't, necessarily know what you're going to get. No, I agree. The monarchy is a stupid way to go about ruling people, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) in this world, that's all they got. That's all they know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay, do you you guys miss Illyrio here, or are you glad that it's very... Look, I don't mind. I mean, the show has has gotten to a point where it needs to streamline a lot of the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the, the plot lines of the books. I mean, God knows George could have done with some streamlining in Feast and oh Dance God. as well. So, you know, these are one of the omissions that I'm not particularly offended by. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that it was an Amazon house. I think it's fun to watch Valerio and Varys plotting together again. I think so too, but it's it's also fun to watch Varys and Tyrion, so yeah, I don't have an issue with it. All right. Let's go. Well, okay, just to wrap this bit up. Um, we have uh, Tyrion being told they're going to go to Marine, and he is saying, well, I'm going to get my drink on. So that's to wrap it up. <laughs> um, next scene, we're in Marine. Um, the Unsullied patrol, um, patrol the streets. Um, apparently the Sons of the Harpy have been acting up. Um, we go to a scene in Danny's Pyramid with Hisadar, who is reporting that things are going well in Yunkai. Um, there is a compromise they would like, however, and that is the reopening of the fighting pits. Uh, Danny doesn't want the pits restored. 
Later that evening, <laughs> Danny and Dario's pillow talk revolve around the fighting pits and Dario's mother, an alcoholic whore. He was sold into slavery, eventually becoming a fighter in the pits. He joined the Second Sons and met Danny. Dario hints she should get out her dragons. We learn that Drogon has been missing for weeks, and he says, a dragon queen with no dragons, not a queen. And yeah, that's helpful, Dario. Thanks for that. You know, this talk about Dario being a pit fodder, it kind of makes me sad because it sounds like they combined Dario with Strong Bellas and we will not get Strong Bellas. Yeah, that's mm. not happening. I know. Yeah, and wasn't Bellas also a big advocate for reopening the pits in the books? So yeah, I think they have combined some mm-hmm. of those personality traits together. But yeah. we get Dario's backstory and his backside. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I'm not complaining about the backside, <laughs> I gotta admit. <laughs> <laughs> and I like I, the casting. I think this guy's good. Yeah, I like this Dario better than book Dor- Dario. I have to I say, like the first Dario. <laughs> did you? You know, I'm with you. I actually like the first Dario too. He seemed kind of douchey. <laughs> yeah, he was a little more smarmy, I think, which yeah. I think is, is sort of more it's in totally line with book Dario. Yeah, he I, was very romance cover hero kind of guy, which made sense because Daddy's like a 15 year old girl and why she'd <laughs> fall for him. But I like the actor as far as his talent. I like the guy they have now. Yes. But yeah, yeah, the look I'm of the first guy was good. I'm not like a hardcore Dario fan, so I don't really care that they yeah, switched up. Really but care. I am a little I more partial like to the original one as well. <laughs> oh, and I do have to report on Danny's hair. I thought it looked great here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> soft and sexy. <laughs> this is what I bring to the table. Okay. Uh, so the next bit is um, Danny in her Star Trek gown descending to the darkened pyramid basement. <laughs> she calls out for her dragons. They are not exactly friendly. Uh, Danny runs away from them and like seals them up again. Nope. Backing away, not today. <laughs> you know, I could see this as a warning. She is, but they're not. <laughs> Happy oh, to go see ahead, her. Ian. No, I could just see this as a warning from, like, the ASPCA about why you shouldn't lock up your pets. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but sometimes, well, sometimes they get pet. fur all over the place, and they may have worms. Oh, so. dragon's going to get fur all over the place. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> yeah, I mean, cats all... are going to breathe fire on you lot. <laughs> you don't yeah, know. It's, it's pretty stupid how surprised she was that they're angry. I mean, of course they're pissed. How would you feel if someone with a terrible wig chained you up in a dungeon? <laughs> well, especially... Depends. <laughs> This was this this was Viseron and Rhaegal, and they had nothing to do with you know the the goats and the kid. That was Drogon. So yeah, they're going to be really pissed off at her. <laughs> oh, That's God. hilarious. This, speaking, of, speaking of that, was this the first time the dragons were named in the show? I know Drogon's been named before, but I feel like we haven't heard the names of the other two before. I, don't, I can't recall to be honest. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, let's go to the wall. <clears throat> so the wall, we have Mance. Uh, he's paid a visit by John. He tells John he respects Stannis, but he will never serve him. John wants Mance to bend the knee, save the wildlings. Mance won't do it. He admits he's afraid, and there's no shame in it. He wants to know now. He wants to know how they will execute him. And John says, "Burn you alive." And Mance, bad way to go. Mance doesn't want people remembering him dying that way. But the better, better than betraying everything he believes in. John pleads again to think of the wildlings, the danger, and the dangers of the White Walkers. 
And Mant says, you're a good lord. And uh, uh, people want to die. Uh, he says, say, sorry, I'm messing this one up. He says, there's no point in explaining not wanting his people to die in a foreigner's war. John leaves. You're making a terrible mistake. Um, and then he says, the freedom to make my own mistakes was all I ever wanted. Mance is taken down to where they have built a pyre. Stannis tells him, bend the knee, and he promises mercy. Mance wishes Stannis good fortune in the wars to come. Stannis gives the nod. Mance is taken to the stake and chained. Selyse and Shireen look on. Melisandre gives her speech, grabs a torch, and says, Free folk, there is only one true king, Stannis. And there's your king of lies. She lights the pyre. Mance is suffering um, as the flames grow higher. And then John shoots him in the chest with an arrow, killing him. And I have to eat crow, everybody. Um, pun very much intended. This wall stuff is really good. <laughs> I was really into yeah, the wall finally. stuff. Oh, yeah, finally. <laughs> I've got to agree. Uh, the wall stuff has been fantastic so far, and I think that's from what we've heard from spoilers is going to continue. Um, yeah, these the two last scenes, particularly John with Nance and then Nance burning, I thought really spectacular. I think the acting was yeah. fantastic. I think it looked fantastic. Um, the emotions were great. Uh, and I really like that they kept in that little detail from the books of, well, not so much a little detail, of John shooting Mance with the arrow to sort of hasten his death. Although I, in the books, I think John has his archers do it. But yeah, I'm really glad that they kept that in. I think, um, this is shaping up to be a terrific season for both John and I guess the rest of the wall crew, Stannis mm-hmm. and... Stannis! Go Stannis! <laughs> you know, we've got Stannis, he's, I think he's finally going to become a more fully realised character rather than that sort of bad caricature of a person that we've been getting and we're finally getting to see him a little bit more, I don't know, from what I Human- hear. Humanised, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get to see a little of his dry wish as well <laughs> that's so prevalent yeah, that with nice. scenes with John in the book. and. John, I mean, you know I've always been a fan of John, and I'm glad, Lot, that you're coming around to it and <laughs> the scenes at the wall. But I think that this is the season where John, this is going to be a season, the season of John. Um, I think it's really going to come into his own, and we're going to mm-hmm. see the boy become the man, so to speak. And mm-hmm. this is really what John's story has been building to from the very start. We've kind of seen him progress through you know, coming to the Night's Watch, thinking that he's better than everyone else, to learning pretty quickly that his brothers aren't necessarily less than he is. You know, many of them just weren't as lucky as he was growing up. And then we see him go beyond the wall. He has to make that tough decision to kill Corrin. Then he goes and joins up with the wildlings and breaks his oath, essentially, with a gret. Then he has to give her up and see her die in his arms. You know, we've been seeing John faced with these all these conflicts between his honour and doing what's right and I guess conflicts between what he thought he knew and what he's learnt. And this is kind of why I love John so much. You know, he sees this immense character growth. He starts off as this sheltered kind of arrogant kid and then he's pushed out of his safe little box and he learns from it and he becomes a more capable leader because of it. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing how that plays out this season. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I have to yes. say to the yeah, definitely. Yes. I would have to say that to the actor who plays Mance, um, I know Com has oh, said God, his he's name. So good. 
he Karen is Hines. Yeah, he's amazing. In a in a way, this scene, like he was able to make me really care about him, and I really didn't yeah. with this actor. Um, but to me, he's like was not utilized very well in the show prior to this yeah. episode, in my opinion. He was phenomenal. Yeah, they didn't give him really good material until now, which is a shame. He's a good. Um, he played Caesar in Rome, and yes, he's amazing. Yes, he's amazing in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, and, he's great. You he know, going into that, that, I'm sorry, Watkins, go ahead. <laughs> he was the devil in the Ghost Rider sequel, that's how I know him. He's <laughs> 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 really good in that, too. <laughs> I really bought him as evil. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, uh, watching Rome, I knew enough that, you know, he's Caesar, it's not going to end well for him, but... What? He brought so much <laughs> to the role that Spoiler. by oh the end, when God. it was coming, you really, you cared. It yeah. is him. Yeah. Oh, I I have, like, Rome. I've watched Rome. I love Rome. It is him. I didn't even realize. That's amazing. I also like, I also like him in The Muppets, where he was working with the... the uh, Jesus Christ, Wonkins. <laughs> I really bought him as Muppets. I'm a Muppets. speaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Yeah, so I totally agree with you, Lord. I think that one, yes, Kieran Hines was underutilized. Um, I think that this is something we discussed a bit last week. I think that D and D had all these ideas about how certain characters were going to be fleshed out and particular storylines they were going to start and then hopefully continue and, and finish. And yet they came to a point where they kind of had to streamline everything, and they had initially hired sort of big-name actors for these roles and then unfortunately didn't get a chance to use them as they may have intended. But I think that at least it was a good way for him to, to leave the series. I think he absolutely knocked out of the park. Um, that His face, when John's talking to him and tells him he's going to be burnt alive, will Brilliant. haunt me. Yeah, just mm. the, just the pure emotion on his face. Incredible. Okay. He was also a voice on the movie Frozen. Just oh, gonna comma, throw that out there. Come on, get off internet movie database. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a podcast here. <laughs> no, actually, who was he? Who was he in Frozen? Yeah, now I'm curious. I never saw them. Uh, Pavel or Grandpa or Pabby Grandpa. I don't know. I've never seen Frozen. I've seen it several times, and that does not break up. There's no Grandpa no in Frozen, idea. as far as I'll I know. Have to look, I'll have to look. Oh, uh, okay. So, do you guys think it was possible that Mance was still a glamoured guy? And it's not really Mance they Man, killed. I have nah. seen some theories. Yeah. Have you seen them too, Ian, about um, how he may have been body swapped with Tormund? I've seen that. But, you know. I looked at at Mance. I kept. I watched it three times, so I was looking for any sort of jewel or necklace, and I did not see anything like that. Yeah. And plus, he made that little speech with Stannis about good luck with the wars to come, and he's calm and everything. And I would think that if he was body swapped with with Torin or Rattleshirt <laughs> or whatnot, he would probably be freaking out by the time he's you know getting crispy. Yeah, well, that happens I- in books because when he's swapped with Rattleshirt, you actually have Rattleshirt when he's burning. He starts to scream and cry out and say, "I'm not the king," and then they kind of sort of mute him. So Mance. yeah, I really think it was Mance. They really killed him. Yeah, off. yeah I think so. Yeah, I thought the actor had he's made toast. a comment. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Watkins. Go ahead. I did notice that he wasn't wearing the exact same thing that he was wearing in the previous scene. Mmm. 
But yeah. it's that's very trivial, and it probably is Matt's. I agree with you. I mean, that could it could just be the writers messing with the book readers. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? And plus, I just don't think the whole glamour thing tr- would translate very well to TV, and especially no. with Melisandre, she has that yeah. necklace, and I've always believed that's a glamour on her too. She's actually a lot older than she appears. Yeah, you know, she's and old. Yeah. In last season, you see her take this bath, and she takes her jewel off, and mm-hmm. she doesn't change into an old lady or anything. So. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I've read people theorizing that the reason is because we're seeing that scene through Salisa's eyes and Salisa is so far into the lie or <laughs> into the, into the religion that she, she doesn't need to be, she doesn't need that particular glamour anymore, but I don't know. Who knows? That would, yeah, that would be a weird thing to introduce after the fact, after the death. Like, well, no, it actually right. wasn't him. Yeah, it would be very bizarre. Yeah, he's dead. And, Sorry. And plus, I mean, in book, Bookmance, he was a, a trickster, he was a bard, he was into singing, and we're not going to have that. Yeah, we're not going to have that. What is it, Abel and the Spearwives off to Winterfell? Right. Yeah. right. It's all okay. Spearwives, and that's fine with me. It's okay. <laughs> well, we've run a bit long tonight, but we did start earlier than usual, so are you guys okay to go on to some of these questions yep. we got sure. from the listener? Cool. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, um, it was an iTunes review that we had. Um, does anyone recall the name? Yes, it's Mayday 651. And Mayday 651. Okay, so Mayday wants to know our favorite house. So we're just going to go around the table quick. Uh, comma. Baratheon. Whitey. Lannister. Eon. Tarth. Wantkins. Royce, because they have magic bronze armor. Nice. <laughs> I also went with Lannister. Yeah, it's too much fun to read. Right? Yeah, they're they're the most dynamic and interesting. Gotta yeah. go with Lannister. Sorry, but you all are wrong, except for me and Whitey. Okay, next <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so your favorite sigil? Of uh, course. We'll mix it up a bit. We'll start with Eon this time. Sorry. I think I know where this is going. I, I sense a pattern developing. <laughs> All right, how about you, Watkins? House Umber, it's a badass roaring giant with broken chains. Oh, that's cool. Mm, nice. Cool. Uh, Whitey? So, <laughs> I got on the interwebs, um, because I didn't really have... Are you looking up sigils? <laughs> Get out. Close your eyes and point. Close your eyes and point. <laughs> I just basically what I did. No, I look. I never really had a, a favorite sigil, but I one of mine the other day, which is House. I think it's pronounced Valerian. <laughs> she lot knows what's coming because I shared it with the other day. The That's the one. It's a merhorse. What <laughs> <laughs> makes sense? And Metaphor more horses, merhorse. I mean, that couldn't go past it. That would it be your sigil train. for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, would you, comma? Okay, I have a tie. I am torn, deeply torn, between House Dalt, which is a bunch of lemons, which I think is kind of awesome, and um, <laughs> Seaworth, which is the onion on the ship, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Produce-related. That's the only way I'll go. Homer fucking loves lemon cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I went with, um, I don't it's not really a sigil, but it's like Bree's, uh, Brienne's shield when she gets um, dunks arms oh. painted yeah. on his shield. That's my favorite. I just love that imagery. Just the whole scene, too, well, in the books. Dunk sigil. So that counts yeah. as a sigil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I went with. Anyway. Uh, next one. Location. We'll start with UID. 
Uh, Dawn, because of the free-flowing booze, the free-flowing sex, and the free-flowing Pedro Pascal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I can accept that. Uh, How about you, Eon? I'm actually going to say Grey Water Watch, because they have lizard lions and it's a swamp, and it reminds me of where I'm from. Aww. Wait, don't you mean top? Yeah, you no, didn't say part, though. <laughs> I wanted to mix it up a little bit. That's good. No, I think that's awesome. And, uh, how about you, Wonkins? I like Karen Hall. Karen <laughs> Hall? Oh, God. <laughs> a lot of shit does go down there, I gotta admit. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Kama? I'm gonna go with, uh, The Night Fort. Hmm. Which is a book location. Because it's just so damn creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Just a little bit along it's the line. Cozy. Want kids went with. Cozy and creepy. Cozy you and, and creepy. a bunch of rats and ghosts. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Did Dean Brand go there in the show? Yep. Um, I, went- I don't really know if they identified it as the Night Fort. It's infinitely creepier in the books, mm-hmm. and I like all the stories associated with it. And I just. I just love this image of this ruined outpost that's got all this history and lore and is essentially like a giant haunted house. I think that's awesome. Cool. Is that the one with the creepy woman that like was drinking blood or bathing in blood? Or am I thinking of something else? You think you're thinking mm-hmm. of that's Heron Hall? Oh, that's Heron yeah. Hall. That's Heron Hall. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's, your favorite What's your favorite? What's your my favorite? My favorite location is King's Landing. I know it's so boring, but I just like the strata of people you're dealing with, the politics, the events. The place is always interesting. Yeah, I'm going with King's Landing. Okay, so now your favorite man and woman besides Jamie and Brienne. I'm looking at you, Eon. <laughs> man and woman. Eon? Eon. I think you put oh. her on the spot. I think her answers would change. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were Jamie and Brienne. Uh, it's okay. Sam for man and woman, um, Arya. Okay, Watkins. Oh, dang it, woman was Arya for me. I don't know. I have to think. Of you can else, say Arya. Is okay. dunk. You can say Arya. He's dunk. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Um, for woman, dunk. I'll say the the lady that Dunk met in the. I think it was the third book. She had red hair and she was lady Webber. And what? Well, yeah, lady Webber. All right, cool. Uh, Whitey? Uh, Jamie and Bria. No, okay, um, <laughs> I would say John and probably Asha or maybe one of the, the Mormon daughters. Oh, that's good. That's good. I wish I'd thought yeah. of that. Okay, Kama? Oh, god, this is tough, but I'm gonna go, uh, Tywin Lannister. <laughs> that is brand new information. <laughs> he's just such an awesome character. He's a shit human being, but he's an awesome character. I think I'm gonna go. I normally would say Sansa, but I am really feeling Barbary Dunstan. I'm gonna go with her. Oh, <laughs> actually, can I amend nice. my my answer for man to John and or Wyman Mandley? <laughs> <laughs> Good, I like it. Sure, uh, I'll let it go. I think it carried everywhere. <laughs> I, I'm just really lazy and I love that. I aspire to be them. <laughs> um, Come I'm on, gonna can go. Can you remind me who Barbary Dunsey was? Dunsey. 
Barbary Dunstan is Bruce Bolton's sister-in-law, and she's the sort of, she had the affair with Brandon Stark and hated Ned, and she's in dance, and she's just so acid tongue and so northern and such a badass. I just like her. That is cool. I chose, I actually went with a show character, and that was Locke is my man. Of course! I was! I love Locke. I just love it when he's on the screen. (laughs) Not Lancel? No, no, I'm always a Locke at heart. He's got my heart on lockdown, sorry. Get out! (laughs) I know, I'm going. Um, And for for a woman, Cersei. I love Cersei. Uh, Okay, and now this is uh, the last, no, there's two two more. Um, Your favorite battle, if you have one. Okay. Uh, how about you, YD? What's your favorite battle? Um, I'm gonna choose the battle at the Whispering Wood because oh. that's where Rob captured Jamie, and it was the precursor for Jamie and Brian's excellent adventures. So, you know, without <laughs> that, it never would have happened. We wouldn't even be here. Yeah, I, I'll cop out. I'm just gonna go with that one as well. <laughs> I approve. Blackwater. Oh, Monkins. Yeah, I was going to say Blackwater, too, because the green explosion from the wildfire is just really cool looking. Mm. Yeah, it's a good battle. As battles go, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to say bleh, the Battle of Blackwater. I really love the chain boom that Tyrion made in the books with the, the wildfire and everything. It was awesome from the books and really good in the series, too. <laughs> All right. Uh, so now the last question is fire or ice, comma. Ice. Whoa, that's shocking. Being knowing the winter we had, I'm picking fire. <laughs> Fuck ice. Okay, Whitey. I mean, the context. <laughs> I didn't even of... think of it from a personal respect. Uh, no, I'm going to change it to fire. <laughs> <laughs> Would you in say, Whitey? Con- in the context of the books, I'm choosing ice because fuck your weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. <laughs> Eon. Ice. And uh, Watkins. Uh, fire has dragons and wildfire, so that's what I'm going with. Alrighty. That's it. Uh, that was fun. If you want to send us more <laughs> things like that, feel free for, to do so. Um, that was an iTunes question, so you can like and review us on iTunes, please. Um, do you have any thank yous before I wrap this up? We do have one from Joyous Foley's, and she says, Congrats on reaching 50,000 plays, ladies. What an achievement. And happy anniversary. I can't believe it's been a year. Thank you all for your insight and support, especially now that we're entering rocky waters. I would be lost without you. Here's Aww. to many more exclamations of get out, drunk cast, and laughter. <laughs> we will Aww. deliver. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. That was lovely. Thank you. And... So before we end, I have a, a quick list of um, the meanings of the title for this episode, The Wars to Come. Is mm. it right if I read that? Sure. Sure. Cool. So the possible wars that they could be talking about is the Marine Rebellion that we see the makings of at this in this episode. Uh, of course, the White Walkers, Stannis versus Bolton, Dorne versus the Lannisters, and possibly the war for Cersei's cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> that's, uh, well, you know, that could still be on, considering where Jamie and Cersei are in the show right now. <laughs> Uh, very nice, very nice. Okay, so if you want to send us a message, you can at close the door and at gmail.com. You can also see us at Tumblr at close the door and come here. 
www.tumblr.com. Um, as I mentioned, please like and review us on uh, iTunes. You can follow us at Door Podcasts on Twitter. And uh, big, big thank you to Wandkins for guesting with us for this yeah. episode. Yes. Anytime awesome. you want to come back, let us know. You guys are awesome. Aw, you're awesome. In a good way. Get out out in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, as always, thank you, my lovely, my lovely, lovely panel. Thank you, our lovely, lovely moderator. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, that was a big old love fest. Kisses, everybody. Mm, Okay, have a good one. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.